0: I'm sure, you, I'm sure you didn't expect to see me standing up here today and I certainly didn't expect to be standing up here today but um, because uh, Sarah is unwell and um, she has to fight would fill in so I'll do my best um, you may just wonder why we haven't um, you know, really joined in and been part of it but I feel uh, I know that Grant always wanted to do church in a different way and I just feel I might get in the way so we're keeping our distance a bit but we're always praying for you and and asking God to bless you and hoping for the best for you and all that sort of thing. A couple of weeks ago Lorraine and I went down to New Plymouth to my brother-in-law's funeral Peter Mitchell. Probably none of you would know Peter or one or two of you might remember him. And it was Really interesting to have the opportunity to say a few words. And uh, I remembered Peter from way back, from um, I think it's 63 years since I met him, <laughs> when my sister brought him home. And he wasn't about atheists, and I think it was because he grew up in London during the war. And um, what happened there, I guess, would put anyone off guard forever because it was so horrific. And, uh, he married my sister who was a good Anglican, a good Anglican, um, regularly attended church and we were, I was interested to see what would happen with these two. Here's an avowed an atheist and here's a, a keen Anglican. What would happen? Well, over a period of time my sister got him to go to church and, and thankfully they met a really good spiritual Anglican pastor. And over a period of time Peter changed. And finally after some years he went to a mission and on the last night he and my sister both gave their hearts to the Lord. And so that was that transition from being an about atheist to being a converted Christian. And soon after that uh, he applied for the Anglican ministry and he was an Anglican minister for I don't know, 30, 40, 30 years or something um, until he deteriorated and uh, just recently died. And we often hear about people being led to Christ or being converted. And I want to read uh, the gospel story to you about two of those people in the early church. Um, the reading is from John chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 35, if you've got your Bible. Is it on the screen? It is, okay. John 1, Graham said to me, what I sent through the reading, I forgot. And when I turned my phone on today I thought, like, "Whoops! this is a message from Graham, what's the reading? <laughs> so I sent it and I hoped you got it. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God, and the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus turning around jesus saw them following and asked what do you want they said rabbi which means teacher where are you staying come he replied you will see so they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him it was about the 10th hour andrew simon's brother Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can any good thing come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. Then he added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. May God bless this reading to our hearts and minds today. Well, Jesus called Philip to go with him to Galilee, and we are told that he asked Jesus to wait while he sought out his friend, Nathaniel. We're not given a lot of detail about what actually happened. You need to realize when you hear these scriptures that a lot is not actually said. It's condensed right now, and you have to try and think in your own mind all the processes that probably took place. And John says at the end of his gospel, look, he said, if we wrote down everything, the whole world wouldn't contain the books. There's so much that we're not actually told. But we do know that there were mighty forces at work here. This bunch of country boys from up north were with Jesus when John was baptizing. and It may have been that he saw and heard the heavens being ripped open and the power of the Holy Spirit coming down like a sweeping dove with a roar of wind. Whatever the details, it is astonishing that Philip found his friend Nathaniel and said to him, without going to Bible school or anything else, he said, "We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the uh, son of Joseph." And this, you know, this declaration is awesome when you think of it. It's amazing. Clearly Philip was really lit up when he said these words. He must have been ecstatic. He had found what people for generations had longed to see, and he himself had seen the one that Moses and the prophets spoke about. That is, the Messiah of Israel, the Chosen One. Now, (laughs) Philip expected Nathaniel to be impressed. He was sorely mistaken. His reply was a classic. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth, he said? What a squelch! F- can only guess why he was so down on Nazareth. It may have been that Nazareth was a small and insignificant town. It may be uh, that as he came from the town of Cana, where there was rivalry between the two towns. Whatever the reason, Philip must have been a little deflated after his breathless testimony. Come and see this wonderful person. Oh, what a put off! Have you ever experienced something like that? Have you been full of excitement about the Lord and told someone and they just go, you know, squelch? <laughs> it can be very off-putting. Well, I think Philip reacted extremely well under provocation. I think this is a very important point. I hope you'll really get hold of it. He could have started arguing about Nazareth. It's not such a bad town or you know, whatever, whatever. He could have uh, started a theological argument or a scientific argument or anything else, but he just said to him, come and see. And those are two words I want to leave with you today, come and see. <clears throat> he didn't argue. He didn't put him off. He didn't win the argument or lose the argument. He just said, come and see. Cut right through all the arguing. And I think in today's world, we sometimes think that the person with the most knowledge, the person with the greatest degree has got all the answers. But it's not about knowledge, it's not about arguing. The kingdom of God doesn't come through arguments, the scripture says. <clears throat> he might have won the argument, but he, would, he probably would have lost Nathaniel in the first few minutes. Instead he said, come and see. And so, the way they went. And as they approached Jesus, Jesus spoke to Nathanael and said here is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. In other words, there is nothing false. Now clearly Nathanael was taken aback when he said this. They had never met, they didn't know each other and Jesus was telling him something profound about himself which would seem impossible. And I wonder if it went through his mind that Jesus had discussed him with someone else, or someone said to him, "Oh, Nathaniel would be a good follower. You know, he's a really genuine guy. There's no hypocrisy in him, or whatever, whatever." we just, we just don't know. But he said to Jesus, "How do you know me?" And the reply shows that Jesus was bang on. Nathaniel must have been one of those genuine, straight up and down people who spoke his mind and didn't try to flatter people. So Jesus' analysis must have really struck home to him. But the best was yet to come. In reply to his question, Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now how was that possible? Jesus wasn't there to see him. Wow. This really blew Nathaniel out of the water. You saw me? He said, how, how could you see me? Now, if you know anything about fig trees, <clears throat> Graham will smile here. Mm-hmm. A fig tree generally grows up at its left eye land it'll grow up, and with the weight of the leaves on the fruit, its leaves come, its branches come down to the ground. Now, if you come to my place you'll see that. This isn't so because the sheep love them and they chew all the branches off. In fact, they stand on their hind legs, so ours only come to about this high. But normally they grow right down to the ground, and often the branches will root in the ground, you can cut them off and replant them and get another tree. So in the Middle East where it's hot, people often go in under the fig tree and the branches come down. And it's like a little, you know, a little shelter. And of course they have the fig tree has big leafy leaves and so it's nice and cool and people often go in under the fig tree for their meditation and prayer and, and readings and so on and so Nathaniel was there under the fig tree and Jesus said I saw you before Philip called you now he couldn't have seen him could he? first of all Jesus wasn't there Secondly, he was hidden by the fig tree couldn't see him I saw you this freaked him out, this, this was a God moment, this was a turning point in Nathanael's life how could he have seen me, he thought the effect of this statement on Nathanael, the sceptic, was profound one minute he was saying, can anything come out of Nazareth, and the next minute he was saying, Rabbi you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel, now think of the contrast between those two things one minute he's cynical ass, and next minute he's proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the <coughs> Is that not extraordinary? You know, some people say, like, oh, it can't happen that way. Well, it does happen that way. <laughs> you know, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, exactly the same thing. But it takes something extraordinary to change a person like that, especially a, a, a cynical one. So personally, I'm amazed at the transformation in this young man. He was obviously unimpressed by Philip's declaration, was scathing about Nazareth. Now, in a few minutes, he's making this incredible declaration about who Jesus really is. Not just a prophet, not a great man, but the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Israel. This really is amazing, I think. Nathaniel had been med- meditating on one of the psalms, and it's is Psalm 139, you're probably quite familiar with it. <clears throat> now I'm not going to say that this was the case, but it is a possibility uh, because of the profound effect that this whole thing had on him. And Psalm 139 says this, O oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sat And when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is in my mouth, you know it completely, O Lord. You hang me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The night will shine of the day, for darkness is as light to you. Maybe he was thinking, even the fig tree couldn't hide me. Just a thought. I think that Nathaniel was meditating on scripture, and all this came together for him, and he was wonderfully and truly converted. So when he heard these words spoken by Jesus, the Holy Spirit illumined his mind and his reaction showed that he had a real God moment, an encounter with the Holy One. And so, come and see Nathanael, did Nathanael see? He surely did, in a wonderful way, a very simple invitation, and we have a new disciple who's convinced that Jesus is the Son of God, the King of Israel and I've been reflecting for quite a while on how this can impact us today We cannot say to someone simply come and see because Jesus is not available to us as he was there. if we could say to someone come and see Jesus, he's going to be at church here, Sunday afternoon at 3.15 it would be great wouldn't it if people could meet Jesus and see him but that is not possible for us so if we say, say to someone come and see <coughs> what can we show them, have you thought about that Come and see. What can we show them? Well, Jesus said that we were to be his body on earth. The church has to be the presence and the here and now. So Jesus is not here, but we are. And we are the body of Christ. The church has often been quite off-putting to people. They say well we came and we saw and we didn't like what we saw <laughs> or they say it was boring or they say it was cold or they say no, I greeted me and I remember an Anglican freeman from the Baptist church they said oh it's so embarrassing they walk all over you <laughs> 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 well, you can't win can you <laughs> so <clears throat> what do people see when they come to church what does a church need to be like to impact modern people some have suggested over the years that Jesus when he was on earth was nothing special. He was just like everyone else. He laid aside his, his glory and he was no different from one of us. And I think that's rubbish because you only have to read the gospel to see what Jesus did. He healed people. He loved people. He cleansed lepers. He gave sight to the blind. He even raised people from the dead. You start doing things on that, you'll get a crowd, right? <laughs> John chapter 14 verse 12 Jesus said I tell you the truth anyone who believes in me will do what I have been doing he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I think that's what the church should be like it should be like Jesus being here but not being here I believe that Jesus had a supernatural ministry that was obvious to all who met him the Jews said that his power came from the devil because Jesus confounded them and it follows, therefore, that any church that is going to captivate people has to be a church like this. A church that is filled with the radical love of God. It has to be radical love. A church that is founded on the clear teaching of the apostles. And to be honest, that's fairly hard to find these days. A church where the members are taught to expect to be given spiritual gifts and trained in how to use them. A church that expects that God will show up on Sundays at every meeting during the week. And a church that expects opposition because it opposed the Lord. The Lord was opposed. And he said if we follow him, then we can't expect to be any different. We should be able to say to people, come and see. And when they come, they are touched by the mighty power of God. And they are transformed, just as Nathaniel was transformed and went on to become a leader in the first church. Or, like my brother-in-law, he, through the love of his wife and the love of their pastor, over a period of time, changed from being an atheist and a valid atheist to being a leader of the church. So don't stand in the way of what God is doing, as many did back then. People said, that Jesus was demon possessed, even pretty crazy when you think about it. But don't be afraid of what God might do. Rather, become an evangelist like Philip and invite people. Come and see. And my prayer for you and my church is that you will be bold enough to be different. I pray that you will be honest and transparent and full of the sacrificial love of God so that you will be able to say to your friends and family when they ask you or argue or simply say to them come and see and the church will be such that people will be touched by the love of God you have I think a wonderful opportunity to start afresh I believe that people are spiritually hungry today as they have always been but they don't want YNCA, you know what I mean? yesterday, luck's turned up again, um, they want something that's genuine, they want something that's real, they want something that's profound, and so you have the opportunity to do that, and I have to say that the first day you met, we came and we were impressed, everyone did their part, you were welcoming, it was warm, it was great, good sermon <laughs> from Sarah, and uh, yeah, I think that you have a wonderful opportunity and I hope that, that all of you will be bold enough to take that opportunity, you know, to make this a church that is real and to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in the church. Because if Jesus said, you know, greater things you will do because I'm going to the Father, then we can expect great things to happen, right? But that's reasonable, isn't it? We are the body of Christ, and Jesus said, "I'm going to the Father. I'm going to give you the power of the Spirit. I'm going to give you spiritual gifts." So, you know, don't don't be afraid, of, you know. Or let's let's uh, keep it cool. Let's uh, play it down a bit. You know, just I hope that you'll be bold, and I, and I know that Graham has always wanted a, a church that is different, to do things differently, and you know, I just hope and pray that that will be. what what actually happens do we pray Lord we thank you for the example of Philip the way that he um, he didn't argue he just said come and see and he led his friend to Jesus and Jesus led him into the kingdom so Lord we pray that because you're not here we're here in your stead that your beautiful spirit will fill this congregation, to fill each person, to fill them with your love that goes beyond the ordinary, that love that just doesn't evaluate people on how much they own or how much education they've got or how flesh they dress or anything like that, but just that wonderful love of Jesus that loves the unlovely, that loves all who come Lord, let your love fill this place, fill each person. Free us, Lord, from our cultural heritages. Free us to be your people. And I just pray, Lord, that this church will be blessed with you in a wonderful way. And that people will be able to say, come and see and know that something really good is going to happen. We ask it all in the name of the matchless name, the wonderful name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.